This morning, I want to talk about Noah. The book of, from, or talk from the book of Noah. And Noah as a, as a man. And a woman. Never mind. <laughs> Let's talk about Noah. <laughs> Genesis 5. I'm going to read from verse 28. And I heard that you guys have just come out of a series. Now, I do want to say this up front. I, I sent my sermon um, last week, Thursday. And only then did Pierre tell me that when he opened up the series that you guys have just come out of, he preached from Noah. I did not get those notes from him. I believe him that that's what he preached on. If anything sounds like, like, like Pierre's sermon, I didn't take his sermon. He probably stole it from me in the spiritual realm. Forget that practically he's already preached it and I could have listened to it before, which I'm declaring that I didn't. But I'm just saying that I think in the spiritual realm, he stole my message um, or maybe didn't, but heard from the spirit. So if anyone took anyone's message, it's Pierre who took from me, not me. <laughs> Genesis 5:28. When Lamech had lived, excuse me, can I just quickly ask who, who here can speak Hebrew? Great, so any, any word I pronounce, it will be okay. <laughs> Whichever way it sounds, if it doesn't sound right to you, know that it's still not the Hebrew pronunciation. It, it might be the Zulu pronunciation, but then you're also not pronouncing it as, you know, the Hebrew's word. So we're all okay with how it's going to be pronounced. So Lamech is Lamech. Or maybe Lamech for you, but for now it's going to be Lamech. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called him his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Jump down to Genesis 6 from verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I have to just pause there a little bit. The difference between preaching at a real church and campus ministry or on campus is that I would have said Shem, Ham, and Cheese. <laughs> but that would have been offensive. So let's stick to Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. Sounds familiar? For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher, of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof of the ark and finish, finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark and in its side, make it with lower second and third decks. 
For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth and destroy all flesh in which the, the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every, every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind, to every Two of every sort shall come in, excuse me, into you to keep them alive. Also to take with you every sort of blood that is um, eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this, but he, he did all that God had commanded. Amazing. Excuse me, please can I have some tissue? I'm feeling really the Holy Spirit moving up here jokes. I had a little bit of flu last week. Thank you. Nothing to keep you humble like the flu. Thank you so much, Helena. Last scripture from Genesis, Genesis 8, 20 to 22. I just want to read all of them so that we can get to the message. Or rather, so that at least Pierre doesn't get blamed for bringing a preacher who did not read scripture. Genesis 8, 20 to 22. Then Noah built an ark to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of, of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. The first thing I want to talk about this morning is the fact that Noah walked with God. It says here, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Let's, let's, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> let's be clear about one thing from the beginning. Noah was not a perfect man because it's very easy to, to read something like this. Even when you think of, of a righteous man like Abraham, the Bible says that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteous, as righteous. But Abraham also had, um, What's the other son? Ishmael. <laughs> Abraham also had Ishmael. So he believed God, but he also had moments when he didn't believe God. And so in his journey, there were moments when he knew that there was a promise, but he waited for a very long time. It's the same with Noah. Noah walked with God. He was righteous and blameless, but it doesn't mean that he was actually perfect. Walking with God does not equal perfection the way we know it. Meaning that there will be no, um, there won't be any imperfection in you. But walking with God means that when God speaks to you and gives you an instruction, you do it as he says. That's what righteousness is about. It's about walking with him intimately 
and hearing from him, that that's the first place where you hear an instruction, and that's the last place where you'll take an instruction. So you might still hear everything else in your day, in your years, in your seasons, but the first and last place is in that intimate place with God, not with man. So that when you're thinking of righteousness, you're not thinking of perfection. Why do I say that about Noah? Right after this last scripture that I read, after, that, that, after Noah worshipped God with that sacrifice, he built a vineyard. You would know very well, living here and being so spoiled in this beautiful place where there are vineyards everywhere. I always pray to the Lord to bring me here, not because I want the alcohol. Let's be clear about that. It's just the beauty. It's the beauty of the Lord and, and, and the grapes that are fermented that could do some things. <laughs> he built a vineyard and he drank and he became drunk and he uncovered himself. And his sons had to come and cover him. So it means that Noah wasn't necessarily perfect in the sense that we understand. But he was righteous because he walked with God. He was blameless because he walked with God. And the more he walked with God, the more righteous he became. Because 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Which means that our righteousness comes from the fact that Jesus has already done the work that we would need to do in perfection, through perfection, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice who was tempted but did not sin, where we get tempted and end up sinning, he was tempted and did not sin, but did this so that we would know that we could also live that way. Noah walked with God. The second thing is that Noah was countercultural. Why was Noah countercultural? Did you know that until the Lord gave him the instruction to build the ark, he had never seen even a boat? So what God was talking about is a concept that he had never seen or anyone had ever seen before. In fact, before God spoke to him, Noah had never experienced rain himself. Scholars show that it might have rained before, but not a flood. So how did Noah know to just trust God and go with the very instructions that the Lord has given him? How did Noah know not to be discouraged by people who probably laughed at him when he said that this is what the Lord has given me. He's given me these instructions to build an ark. And I probably would have been one of the people that have, would have told Noah, you've probably taken your relationship with the Lord to another level. A little bit crazy, Noah, what is an ark? Can you explain that to us? 300 cubits of wood of, and who's going to help you, Noah? The Lord. Is he going to help you build this? Don't we sometimes feel that way when the Lord has given us a word and we know a specific word that makes you look like a crazy person? 
But that's what it's sometimes meant to be when you're being countercultural. When you hear the news, when you encounter people living in this beautiful country that we know is called of God, how do you react to anything that you hear according to the word of God or according to what everybody else is saying? Because there's no ways that Noah got these instructions and all of a sudden every skeptic moved away from him because he had heard from the Lord. How do we live in such a way that we live in a, a world where we countercultural, not for the sake of being different, but because of the specific instructions we've received from God? What is God saying to you that looks opposite to what you know as life? Noah was countercultural. He had never seen a boat. Sometimes we need to get a word that helps us with affirmation. When I was a young Christian, I used to always say this. Whenever the Lord spoke to me, I'd, I'd say to him, please write it on the wall. And until one day I thought to myself, if God wrote it on the wall, would I believe that it was God? Because that feels and would look creepy. That I close my eyes and I go, okay, God, if this is you, I want to see it on the wall. And all of a sudden I just see this carving with no man. Because if it's... if man does it, then I'll be like, you wrote it on the wall because you heard my prayer. So when I say, God, write it on the wall, because I already lack faith, where would I get the faith to even believe that he wrote it on the wall? So when we're asking for affirmation and confirmation, in fact, confirmation from the Lord, already stepping out in doubt, what is the guarantee that you will actually trust and believe when he actually confirms his word. And how does God confirm his word if the confirmation comes from you obeying the instructions? So maybe for someone else he's spoken and he said you will see an ark and your instruction is to build that ark. How then does God confirm the ark to you until you actually follow his instructions and build it? And what has God been saying to you that sounds opposite Countercultural, but you know in your heart that he's speaking to you. And the third point is this Noah believed God. He believed him. How do we know? It actually took about, again, scholars have shown, 60 to 75 years for Noah to build the ark. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lifetime. I'm 37 and I feel like I've lived for a very long time. Now I know, I feel the same with the students when they think that they know everything at 20 and you look at them and you're like, God bless you. <laughs> Firstly, you're about to actually start taking care of yourself and move out of your parents' care. Here's real life for you. When all of a sudden every decision you make really, really affects you. Not every decision you make, you've got, you know, mom and dad to come and rescue you out of it or help you or guide you. When you now have to be that and take responsibility for other human beings, that's a little, you know, a different story. But 37 feels like a long time. Yet I know that it's not a long time, but 60 to 75 years, that is pretty much a whole life. And he had to just 
follow the instructions and follow God and believe that whatever he's heard is true. How do, how do you remain encouraged knowing that what God has given you as an instruction still hasn't happened in two years? What about five years? What about 10 years with the same word that hasn't been fulfilled? What about 20 years? I mean, 75 is pushing it. At 37, that's where I go, yeah, I didn't hear God. I'm happy to say I've been deceived for a very long time. This is, this is where we give up and go, it, it cannot possibly take this long. Because in our minds, when God speaks, things are meant to happen exactly at that time. But Isaiah 55 verse 8 says that his thoughts are higher than ours. I don't know about you, but higher seems higher. I don't know if higher is just, you know, I don't know how high, but I know that higher is, is, is not the same thoughts. His thoughts are higher than yours, are higher than ours. Which means that when God is speaking, it is better to actually just go with his timing and not ours. And that's what I, loved, I love about the Snower story is that he believed God. You see, you, you would need to believe him first in order for you to remain encouraged throughout the journey. You need to establish that in the beginning, that when God says, this is what I'm saying to you and this is what I'm calling you to, that instead of actually telling God who sees everything and knows everything about your life, you actually receive the instruction because doubt comes in when we start going, what, what is an ark when I've never seen a boat? God, let's be realistic here. Look at the situation, okay? Look at where things are at in the nation. Look at what we're going through. Look, look at the dams. Here's reality for you, God. In case you haven't seen, things are drying up. What is God saying that is opposite to what you're seeing? What is the Lord saying? It took 60 to 75 years to build an ark. That's a very long time. Hebrews 11 verse 7 says this, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. We are meant to live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. The Lord is in the middle of doing something in our nation that is more beautiful than we'll ever understand. But will the people of God be the first ones in the first line, in the forefront, leading that believing before even seeing it? That we would live by faith, where it's the substance of things that we're hoping for, evidence of things unseen. That's what faith is. You don't have to see it in order for you to believe it. But God is doing something, and he's inviting us to be a part of that. That's so exciting for me. And I think that's why I love working with young people, because I get reminded of what the future looks like and what responsibility looks like when you take those very people that could be the future leaders and instill biblical principles in their lives. 
that it won't always be this way, that we won't always go to bed in fear, that God is at work, that it takes faith to believe that the next generation will know of this God, that the next generation will know of the works of this God, that we would still speak and sing the same song about a faithful God. This morning when we were praying, and I'm so glad I tapped it out because I didn't get a printer after the prayer, but I knew that God was confirming something. And this is the prayer that I would like to, to leave you with this morning. From Ephesians 3, Anthony read from it, and I'm so glad because in the car on our way here, we didn't talk about the message. I think we were talking about other things but the message. But as we were praying, this is the prayer that he read, and this is the prayer that I want to end with, printed, <laughs> so not taking from him. And you might say, what's the obsession with someone else saying something? Isn't that like confirmation? For me, it's wonderful to know I've heard from the Lord. Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 21. And I'm going to end with this. Am I good with time or have I gone over time? Never say I'm good with time. You're going to hear stories you never asked me about. That was just to check if we're all still here. Ephesians 3, verse 14. I really believe that God is, is going to begin to speak to some of us. Knowing that hearing from God and seeing the fulfillment of his promises is not something that happens overnight. Knowing that seasons have, the, it's, it's a journey with its own good moments and not so great moments. And that the one thing that will keep you going, that will keep you established, is knowing that you've heard from God. Even if it's not clear, it becomes clearer as you obey, as you step out in faith. And I want to read this, this prayer for us. And Pierre, you can get ready because after this, I know that the Holy Spirit will be done with me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Actually, can I ask you to please close your eyes and just allow the Holy Spirit to begin to, to speak to you and allow these words to begin to really take root in your heart. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is immeasurably, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that, it is, that, it, that is at work within us, 
to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.